It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I hate to say I told you so, but I told you so. Russell Westbrook in the postseason comes up big for Oklahoma City. And no, it's not 2018. No, it's not 2019. It's 2020. And Russell Westbrook is still making the biggest impact on the floor for Oklahoma City. This is Locked On Thunder. This is your only daily Thunder podcast. And I'm your host, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. That's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. Call into the show, 405-362-7128, your number to call. We're having all the voicemails about Game 6, about previewing Game 7, in tomorrow's preview episode. So if you have a question, a comment, a take, a prediction about this series, call in. For those of you who have already called in, all of your questions have been about the offseason. We're going to save those voicemails for the offseason. Again, I don't even know where to start on this game. The Thunder force a game seven. We have more meaningful basketball in Oklahoma City. And we start with Russell Westbrook. I hate to say I told you so, but all series long, all series, I've been saying, you know, Russell Westbrook hasn't been good in the postseason. Now he's dealing with this quad injury. He got emotional when facing off with Ricky Rubio. He got emotional when facing off with Damian Lillard. He had bad turnovers against Ricky Rubio. I think it's within the realm of possibility that he's going to have bad turnovers. He's going to have bad games. He's going to look terrible against Chris Paul, the biggest agitator in the sport, and his old team. And in clutch time, which is when it matters, he looked disastrous. He was airballing shots. He was missing free throws. He was turning the ball over. He was he was not playing defense. He did everything wrong for the Houston Rockets, and that's why that Russell Westbrook is a thunder lifer. That was a 4D chess plan, and that was a beautiful play from Westbrook. He gets traded from Oklahoma City, gets picks for Oklahoma City, gets Chris Paul for Oklahoma City, and if he's not careful, he's going to get Oklahoma City out of the first round for the first time since Kevin Durant left with his poor play. Each game this series, before the series, a month ago, I've been telling you how much you cannot trust Russell Westbrook in the clutch. I know that we love him. I know he'll have a statue. I know he'll have his number retired. But tonight was the best playoff game since Game 5 against the Jazz that Russell Westbrook has performed for the Oklahoma City Thunder. This is his best contribution to the Thunder since Game 5 against the Jazz, which went on to be meaningless back in 2018. Thank you, Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook won you this basketball game. Russell Westbrook won the Thunder this basketball game while being in a Rockets uniform. Nothing to take away from Chris Paul, who was phenomenal, and we'll get to pretty soon. But Russell Westbrook, thank you very much. 
I told you so. I told you he would do this in the clutch time. Rockets fans have to be feeling a sort of emptiness. The pressure of this series shifts totally onto Houston and absolutely onto Houston. Furthermore, unlike what what Thunder fans were able to do, Rockets fans can't use the excuse of, oh, oh, now you've made Russ mad. You don't want to see Russ play mad. Yes, I do. I hope Russell Westbrook is in that locker room as we as we're recording this show. I hope Russell Westbrook is in that is in that Houston locker room pissed off. I hope that he is irate, and I hope that he is irate for the rest of the day, for all of tomorrow, and I hope he's irate at tip-off, because when Russell Westbrook is playing emotional, when Russell Westbrook is playing pissed off, Russell Westbrook is a bad basketball player. He's a turnover machine. He takes terrible shots. He jacks up threes. He, he, he goes out of his rhythm. He's a bad basketball player. And this isn't just the quad injury. I don't want to hear about the quad injury. Yes, that's hampering his explosiveness. Yes, that's hurting him at finishing at the rim. The bottom line is in that first quarter, he was feasting in the paint. He didn't miss a shot at the rim until like the third quarter of this game. Whenever the game tightened up, whenever the game got in the clutch time, he reverted back to playoff Russell Westbrook. This is who Russell Westbrook is in the postseason. We've seen it firsthand in Oklahoma City for years. For years. This is it, and Russell Westbrook being on Houston is going to help this team possibly get out of the first round for the first time since Kevin Durant left. Thank you, Russell Westbrook, for winning Oklahoma City this basketball game. Yet again, another win in Thunder history that can be chalked up directly to Russell Westbrook. Nothing to take away from Chris Paul's game. There was a lot of good Thunder performances today, but Russell Westbrook gets another W in the ledger as an Oklahoma City Thunder. And if it wasn't for that Game 5 comeback against Utah, down 25 points in the Chesapeake Energy Arena, this would be his best game in a Thunder uniform since Kevin Durant left in the postseason. Fantastic game all around. Uh, I think that this game is interesting because Thunder fans and Rockets fans aren't really able to enjoy it because you know you're living and dying with every play. I don't know how much the casual fan enjoys watching the, the Rockets style of basketball, and I don't know how much the casual fan enjoys watching the Thunder offense that was sputtering for the majority of this game. However, that subsection of diehard NBA fans have to be eating this series up if they understand, and they do because they're diehard NBA fans, understanding the complexity of this series, understanding uh, how the basketball is being played, understanding the storylines. For a subsection of people, that diehard NBA group has to be eating the series up and it's going to Game 7. Again, I'm not sure how much the casual fan is enjoying it. Uh, if, if you don't really care about basketball, you're just watching it as a sport that's on TV. I don't know how much you're enjoying it. You know, the, the offenses for both sides are kind of boring. Uh, you're either getting foul calls from Houston or turnovers and, and missed shots from Oklahoma City, uh, and it's kind of a sloppy game. But the casual, but the uh, diehard NBA fans and the th- fans of both these teams are living and dying with every single possession. It's so fun to watch these two teams go at it. So, again, I'm not sure where to move on from Russell Westbrook. I understand that there's a lot of Russell Westbrook stands still in Oklahoma City today. He deserves it. He deserves every fan he has, including myself. But there is no doubt that in the postseason the last two years, he has been a disaster. There's no doubt that in this game, in Game 6, a game that could have put Oklahoma City to bed, a game that could have gotten him out of the first round for the first time without Kevin Durant as his teammate, he didn't show up. He didn't show up. 
And in clutch time, he didn't show up. The 17 points are nice. The four rebounds are nice. The three assists are nice. But the seven turnovers and the minus nine in the, in the plus-minus differential, the two fouls, both of which were pretty much out of frustration. Uh, I don't know if that was to get him off the floor because he's on that minutes restriction, that kind of weird minutes restriction, although Mike Tony said he was not on one. But it certainly seemed as though those two fouls were just him trying to get off the basketball floor. The two missed free throws. The the two three-point attempts. He does not need to be attempting three-point you know, three-point shots at all. I know he made one. I don't see why Russell Westbrook needs to make threes, especially whenever we talk about how the Thunder defense was just atrocious at times whenever Russell Westbrook drove to the rim. Three or four guys collapsing on him, leaving open every Rockets shooter. Now, the Rockets did not make you pay for it, which we'll, again, get into later on. But still... If you can drive that effectively, if you're Russell Westbrook, and, and you can have the defense respect you enough to collapse and leave open three-point shooters who have knocked down those shots consistently, consistently the series and can break open a game for you, why are you taking any threes, especially transition threes? But two, two threes are, are fine, especially in a Mike D'Antoni offense. I'm just saying uh, there's, there's a better use of those possessions to me uh, than the two threes, even though you made one. I still think there's a better use of those possessions. So... You, you look at this game, and, and I don't see how Rockets fans can be encouraged by Russell Westbrook. Other things, you know, for Houston to be encouraged about for sure, but Russell Westbrook I don't think can be one of them. Because I saw a lot of Thunder fans, again, saying when they saw Shea on the sidelines of that blowout game last game and Chris Paul and, and saw how mad they were, I saw a lot of Thunder fans saying that that was a good sign for Oklahoma City. And it was. I said it. You can't say the same thing about Russell Westbrook. You can't say he's going to go on Twitter tonight or social media tonight and see all the negativity, and that's going to be a good thing for his game. It's simply not. He's proven to you that it's not. So where do you go from here with Russell Westbrook? You're banking on a top player bouncing back, and again, he's a top, what, 15 player of the NBA? That's a good bet. Although I would say we have a bigger track record and a bigger sample size of him not bouncing back in the postseason than we have him bouncing back in the postseason and doing good things in the postseason. So the Russell Westbrook conversation took up the first segment of the show. It was well-deserved. Thank you, Russell Westbrook, yet again. You are a true Thunder lifer. You are going to have your statue in Oklahoma City. You're going to have your the, the jersey retirement in Oklahoma City. They might name the floor after you. I don't know. That's more of a college thing. But still, I would go ahead and call it the Russell Westbrook floor if they made that decision. It would be well-deserved. But this moment right here, especially if it means that in Game 7, James Harden doesn't show up, if it means in Game 7, Russell Westbrook has seven turnovers again, if it means in Game 7, Oklahoma City advances from the first round, this Game 6 tonight was one of your best performances in the Thunder uh, in the Thunder's history uh, during the postseason without Kevin Durant on this team. One of your best decisions you can make is going to rockauto.com. Rockauto.com is a family-owned business serving you auto parts online for 20 years. Years. That's right. 20 years ago, you probably couldn't write your email properly, had to have dial-up internet. Someone called your landline rotary phone. The internet would go out. It's a mess. You could have been buying auto parts online, though, back then at rockauto.com. My favorite part about rockauto.com is that I know nothing about cars. And surprisingly enough, that is my favorite part about an auto part website because I don't have to know anything about cars. I can just put my make, my model, my year into the website, and they'll only show me parts that are compatible with my car. That way, I do not waste money on parts that don't fit or parts I can't use. I'm only going to buy what I need. And there's no point for me to go to a dealership or an auto parts store because all they're going to do is upcharge me for that part. Skip the upcharge, go to rockauto.com, and you can find everything you need with an amazing selection. Reliably low prices of the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com. Tell them Lockdown sent you in the How Did You Hear About Us box. 
We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. We're back on the Locked On Thunder podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, Rylan Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. It's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. Call into the show, 405-362-7128. Those of you who have called into the show already, all of your voicemails, voicemails were about the offseason. We'll save those for later. But if you call in right now and you leave a message about Game 6, about Game 7, you will get played on the Game 7 preview show. So dial in, 405-362-7128. And I'm going to apologize on the front end to David Locke and to Doug Branson, our, our guys over at Locked On Network, because this show is going to go well over the recommended 20 minutes because there's a lot to dive into. So after we gave all of the credit in the world to Russell Westbrook for this win, let's go all the way back to the first quarter. Let's just recap the entire game, because why not? Gallo and Dort have all of your shot attempts at the 10-minute mark. Gallo starts 0 for 4, missing wide-open shots, and Dort did a good job putting on display what I told you about after Game 5, immediately after that awful game. I immediately took the microphone and I said, do not give up on Lou Dort because he has an offensive game that's unlike what we've seen before from these Thunder wings who are great defensively. He can dribble, he can pass, he can playmake, he can also knock down shots. He just had an off game. Exactly what he did in this contest. He goes into this game, and he's given open looks again. In the first quarter, he doesn't take them. He drives, he kicks to an open gallow. That should be points automatically. Anytime that you drive, you collapse the defense, and you get an open gallow three, that has to be automatic for this offense to work. That has to be where you cash in. If they're leaving gallow open, that's your only chance for the most part uh, of of closing that three-point gap because you know you're going to get three or four from Chris Paul. You know you're going to get three from Shea. You know you're going to probably get one or two from Baisley. Gallo has to be the difference maker from beyond the arc if you want to close that three-point gap. As we know, three's worth more than two. This is a game of math against the Rockets. So credit to Lou Dort for immediately adjusting his game. As I mentioned, you can't really put him in that dunker spot because it just clogs up the lane for two of your best playmakers and Chris Paul and Shea who want to drive to the mid-range and want to drive to the cup and have those scoop layups if you're Shea. So... Lou Dort did a fantastic job of altering his offensive game. Gallo does not come through for him. At the six-minute mark, Houston had five points. Your defense had one bad possession that entire first quarter. And that entire first quarter saw a center on the floor, which was flooring to me that they only got one bad defensive possession from Oklahoma City. Oklahoma City left a wide-open three-point shooter one time that whole quarter. Didn't close out on him, didn't move, let him shoot. Awful decision, but it happened one time. And Houston had five points at the six-minute mark. Five. At the six-minute mark in the first quarter, they had five points. Oklahoma City was up by one point. That can't happen. That If you would have lost this game, that is what you could have pointed to for saying why Oklahoma City lost this game. You've got to cash in. If your defense can hold them for whatever reason, if they're missing open shots, if you're closing out well, whatever the reason, if Houston comes away at the six-minute mark with five points, you have to be firing on all cylinders, and that goes back to Gallo starting 0 for 4. And Lou Dort picks up his third foul at the six-minute mark of this contest. 
and, and the fouls in this contest, you know, were, were very close in the first quarter. It was five to four, uh, but for the thunder to win this game, while Lou Dort was forced to sit out the majority of that first half defensively uh, is really an indictment on Houston and an indictment on their offensive production. You look at James Harden going for 32 points with James, with, with James Harden on the floor for 38 minutes and Lou Dort in foul trouble and Lou Dort only to play, only able to play 20 minutes. That number has to be even higher. And that's a big ask from James Harden, but that number has to go up or you have to be able to have your role players cash in. James Harden got seven assists in this game, but you saw some of the role players take a step back. You saw Eric Gordon go one for six from three. You saw P.J. Tucker drop down to three of seven from three. You saw Daniel House drop down to two of six from three. And most importantly, Jeff Green, who's been phenomenal in that role with James Harden, where James Harden can exploit defenses with the pick and pop with, with uh, Jeff Green offensively playing the five position offensively. Jeff Green drops you down to one for five from beyond the arc. That is really where the Rockets lost this game is because they were able to weather the storm of starting slow and only having five points at the six minute mark. But with Dort on the bench for the first half with Dort only playing 20 minutes, their offense gets a hundred points. And there are moments in here where it looked like Houston was going to pull away. Houston comes back, takes the lead. And at the, at the end of the first quarter, they led 25 to 24. And you saw Terrence Ferguson getting minutes in this first quarter. Now here's the thing with the Terrence Ferguson minutes. I do not hate the fact that Terrence Ferguson checked into this game. That's silly to hate that. Billy Donovan had to do something. Lou Dort got three fouls. He can't predict that Lou Dort gets three fouls. I've been a proponent of shortening the rotations all the way down in the postseason, the way Mike D'Antonio does all season long, but shortening them down especially for the postseason. But when your best player, you know, your best defender, I should say, when your best defender and Lou Dort and one of your starters gets four fouls you know, and has three of them in the first uh, quarter – you can't predict that to happen. You've got to mix and match. And Terrence Ferguson got five minutes in this game, which felt like 50 because he couldn't play offensively, airballing threes, front iring threes, and couldn't keep up with Russell Westbrook defensively. So that felt like an eternity, those five minutes on the floor of Terrence Ferguson. I don't blame Billy Donovan for putting Ferguson on the floor. I really don't. Uh, that was, a, that was a, a good move by him because you saw in spurts Ferguson play well. That three-minute spurt in game four where he played really well against James Harden. However, it was evident from like the second possession he was in there that Ferguson does not have it. And that is when Houston almost took over this game and almost pulled away from you was those Ferguson minutes. So it was evident from the first or second possession that Ferguson's confidence was back to being shot, that Ferguson could not handle the defensive assignment of Russell Westbrook and the defensive assignment he was getting in Houston. He can't handle it. From there, you've got to move on. And at that point, again, I don't care who you go to, but in a do-or-die game, if you know for a fact, as we did, we knew for a fact that Terrence Ferguson did not have it, you have to move on from him. You have to change it up. Go to Diallo, go to Muscala, go to Nader. You have to change it up if Ferguson shows you to that, that he is going to have an awful game though he did in the first two possessions. He was dreadful in those five minutes. And again, when you look back on it, it was only five minutes, but that could have been the difference in this game. And that, and that really was when the Rockets were in danger of blowing this game out for Oklahoma City. Uh, but I don't begrudge Donovan for putting Ferguson in there because who could have predicted that Dort gets four fouls? I mean, really. But moving forward, if Dort gets into early foul trouble in game seven, 
we've seen what Ferguson can do, and he is a confidence-based player, so after a dreadful game, he's not just going to automatically bounce back in Game 7, I don't think. So you might as well, if you're already sacrificing defense with Ferguson and offense, you might as well play Nader, who's going to give you terrible defense, but at least he can probably hit a couple threes. At least he won't airball the threes. I'd rather see Nader out there than Ferguson moving forward in this series. But again, it's hard to crush Donovan for those Ferguson minutes whenever you consider the fact that you can't game plan for four fouls on Dort three in the first quarter. You just can't. You just can't game plan for that. We'll talk about what Donovan could have game planned for and all of the positives from Oklahoma City, including Chris Paul's impressive performance on the other side. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Berea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Berea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Berea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. So one thing that Billy Donovan could have game planned for as we're back on the Lockdown Thunder podcast, apart of the Lockdown Podcast Network, you can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles or call into the show 405-362-7128. One thing that Billy Donovan could have game planned for was Nerland's Noel. And I'm not sure why Nerland's Noel is out there because in this game, let's just evaluate what he did in this game. He got a goaltending call for no reason other than he doesn't want to contest shots, he wants to block shots. And believe it or not, there is a difference. He loads up to go for a block and just shoves his hand through the net. Instead of just putting his arm straight up and allowing whatever happens at the basket to happen, he wants that block stat so bad. He cares about that stat so much. He comes away with one tonight. That happens on one possession. Another possession happens where you have a center on the floor. And if you're going to play a center against this Houston lineup, number one, you can't go give Houston second chance opportunities. You've got to clean that up. If you're going to waste a spot on the floor with a traditional center, you've got to at least not allow Houston to dominate the offensive glass. In this series so far, Houston has. For the majority of this series, Houston has. Tonight, you did a good job. Tonight, you limited the Houston to four offensive rebounds. So that's a positive. And that's mostly attributed to Steven Adams. But for Nicholas Noel, he goaltends one possession. He loses a hustle rebound in the other possession. He turns the ball over, and the most dreadful part is that as James Harden is storming into the lane, what does Nerlens Noel do who's in love with the block stat? He tries to take a charge. Nerlens Noel is seven feet tall. If you're playing a seven-foot rim protector, whenever a guard is driving into you, you can't try to take a charge. And he didn't even fully commit to the charge. He starts to take the charge. He takes a drop step back. So if James Harden did lean into him, as James Harden is known to do, James Harden would have had an and one opportunity because Nerlens Noel couldn't commit to contesting at the rim. He also couldn't commit to trying to draw draw the foul and and draw the charge. So that is a disastrous 16 minutes from Nerlens Noel. It really is. It, It honestly and truly is. The turnover, 
the 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 blown defensive assignments. I just did not like the normal minutes. Now, the, the one-game sample size of plus-minus indicates he was a plus-six on the floor. A lot of that is circumstantial. A lot of that is how well Darius Baisley played. A lot of that is other things. But I just do not like the minutes that Nelson Well gets on this team in, in this specific series. But credit to Oklahoma City. The stretch there to start the game where you played great defense and were still only up one with Houston with five points, that was a negative. The Noel minutes were a negative. And then Terrence Ferguson was kind of just a a neutral. Again, it's hard to criticize five minutes from Billy Donovan's rotations whenever his rotation gets thrown out of whack by picking up three first quarter fouls from Dort. So really, you have two negatives in this game. In a four-point playoff win in Game 6 to force a Game 7, you have two glaring negatives about your team. That is fantastic news. That's that's progress. I mean, how many things have we ranted about on this podcast before this uh, in each game? Two bad things is, is totally fine. And let's start talking about the positives. Again, this is already at the 22-minute mark. This is going to be a long show, so settle in. Let's talk about the positives. Positive number one is Darius Baisley. Darius Baisley yet again shows you why that Darius Baisley is a building block for this team. Again, Building block Baisley. He is fantastic. 22 minutes, eight points on two shot attempts. He attempted two shots, went one for two from beyond the arc. He gets eight points off of that with getting to the line six times, goes five for six from the line, and gets you nine rebounds and three assists. He is going to be the perfect player for Oklahoma City because in a league that's trending small, he can play that center spot. Look at how many rebounds he's gotten. Now, I do want to see how many rebounds he can get if the Thunder move on to the next series. Okay, is this is this rebounding number uh, attributed to playing the small ball lineup, or is this something he can, he can continue? I will point out, he did this against Miami. He did this against other squads in the bubble. He's done this all year long. He's kind of a lengthy guy, even though he's like more molded as a power forward. He can get rebounds, and nine rebounds is is almost low for him. And when he gets rebounds, he's able to run in transition and handle the ball because he's a great ball handler. He's a great passer with the three assists. At every point, he has shown you in the bubble that he is going to be a part of your future in a big way. He's going to be a building block for your team. He should be playing more minutes in the postseason as a rookie. He's playing 22 minutes, and I think he should get more minutes. Eight points on two attempts? That's fantastic. Nine rebounds, three assists? He had the one turnover, and if you love the plus-minus stat in a one-game sample size, which I don't, he was a plus seven. Darius Baisley made a huge impact in this contest as a rookie. That is a great thing for your future. One of your best lineups tonight, by the way, one of your best lineups featured Shea, Dort, and Baisley. Those are the only three guys who you're moving forward with who you're hoping can be on this team and will be on this team the next time the Thunder contend for a title. That was one of your best lineups in this entire game that featured all three of them. That is a great sign. That is a fantastic sign for things to come for Oklahoma City. Just incredible from Darius Baisley. But nothing can overshadow. Well, I guess maybe Russell Westbrook and his disastrous performance. But nothing else can overshadow what Chris Paul did. I called for for Chris Paul on this very podcast. I said Chris Paul needs to be selfish, and I meant that in a positive way. If you listen to the preview show, you know. Uh, He needed to be selfish. He needed to stop facilitating. I understand that's the biggest part of his game. I understand that's why he's called the point god. I understand that he's one of the best passers that we've ever seen in this generation. But with this roster... He needed to take matters into his own hand. He needed to show he can still do that, and he did just that. 
39 minutes, 28 points on 50% shooting from the field and 50% shooting from beyond the arc with three made threes, seven rebounds for Chris Paul, three assists for Chris Paul, three steals for Chris Paul. Chris Paul was phenomenal. Chris Paul is probably going to win you this series. Chris Paul was gotten by the Thunder with picks, by the way, attached to him for Russell Westbrook. The Thunder got Chris Paul and picks for Russell Westbrook. And in tonight's game, he outperforms Russell Westbrook in the clutch. He wins his team the ball game, and he has his team in position for a Game 7 do-or-die, win-or-go-home with the pressure on his opponent coming into Game 7. What Chris Paul did tonight was wonderful, and we've talked a lot about how every game of this series has seen a bit of a microcosm of this Thunder season. If you missed the Thunder season, if you were living under a rock in Oklahoma City and didn't pay attention to the regular season, but once they got good and, and you saw that they were going to be in the playoffs again, you started paying attention, this series has had it all. What you saw tonight was yet again a microcosm of this season. Clutch performances, Chris Paul willing you to a victory in a back-and-forth game. Chris Paul getting six straight points to tie the game up at the two-minute mark. A tie game at the 41-second mark, and Chris Paul takes matters into his own hand at the 41-second mark and gets fouled and goes to the line, nails the free throws, cold as ice in his veins. And then Russell Westbrook turns it over, Gallo gets fouled, and the game is over. But Chris Paul winning you this game in the clutch has been what's happening all season long. They've been one of the, they've been the best clutch team in basketball. They've been one of the best teams in basketball since Thanksgiving, and they have a chance to get out of the first round as an organization for the first time since Kevin Durant left. It is an exciting time right now in Oklahoma City. You should be excited. And no matter what happens, I understand that we will feel good. We will feel grateful about this season because the season was house money. And we will also feel so encouraged about this future. I mean, what more could 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 Baisley have done this postseason to encourage you about what he can do in the future and, and be a building block for you? Lou Dort shutting down James Harden with room to grow from beyond the arc, going two for six from three-point land tonight. Lou Dort being phenomenal. And Shea having moments in this series where you look at him and say, that's why he's a cornerstone piece of this franchise, along with what Shea has done all season long. This series confirms your bright future. This series uh, makes you feel good pushing the Rockets to seven games, no matter if you win or lose that seventh game. And this series is the cherry on top of a delicious Sunday that was the 2019-2020 NBA season for Oklahoma City. This team was on pace to win 50 games. This team, by entering Game 7, has now gone further than any Thunder team since Kevin Durant left. They've never gotten to a Game 7 since Kevin Durant left. They have 15 first-round picks as it stands right now. They have leverage now with Chris Paul to deal him on the market. They have Dennis Schroeder, whose trade value is at an all-time high and a high in which you could have never predicted. They have Gallinari, who they might be able to sign and trade, which we'll talk about way later on uh, down the line of this podcast as we get into the offseason. They have such a bright future and a chance to move on to the second round for the first time since Kevin Durant left. It is this is all you could have asked for if you're Oklahoma City, and then some uh, this season. I, I just cannot get over how good it feels to win this game six. So let's move in to the three big things from tonight. The top story tonight of the three big things is is playoff Russell Westbrook is back. And I'm not going to harp on it again. We spent a whole segment on this. But playoff Russ is back. This is exactly what I predicted to happen. You're telling me that you didn't see this coming from Russell Westbrook, who got emotional and out of sorts and played terribly uh, against Ricky Rubio, who left uh, Damian Lillard in his head 
is not going to play this way and not turn the ball over this way the way he has his entire postseason career, even dating back to when the Thunder had Kevin Durant, the costly turnovers he's had in a Thunder uniform even back then. You're telling me he was not going to do the same thing in Houston? I know he changed a lot about his game, but the playoff lights are different. Even inside the bubble, the playoff atmosphere is different. The emotion is different when you see that Thunder logo on the other side uh, for the first time in your career in the postseason. What Russell Westbrook did tonight won the Thunder this game. The Rockets really, really choked this one away. And that takes nothing away from what Oklahoma City did themselves, but the Rockets really hurt themselves in this game, specifically from Russell Westbrook. And moving forward, story number two is that Chris Paul is determined. And look, we'll talk all about Game 7. We've already gone long on this show. Chris Paul, the way he went out there and got buckets tonight, 28 points on 50% shooting from both the floor and the three-point line, 5 for 5 from beyond the arc, 7 rebounds, 3 assists, three steals, a plus 20 in this game. If you're one of those people who like the plus minus stat in a single game sample size, plus 20 in this game. What Chris Paul did tonight shows you how much this means to him. He got a technical foul called on him, which give me a break, by the way, if I can diverge into one more rant on this show, give me a break giving Chris Paul a technical foul after these refs have spent all series long allowing the Houston Rockets to cry and sob on their shoulder of the referees all series long. They've cried so much they could fill up the the Red River. They've cried so much in Houston. Give me a break with the technical foul on Chris Paul. I don't give a damn what he did. I don't give a damn what he said. You can't look at what what P.J. Tucker has done, flaring his arms, pouting about every call, screaming at the refs, what Eric Gordon has done, what Daniel House has done. You can't look at what Houston does, James Harden, what they do to sell calls, what they do to complain to refs. And in a playoff game, with the game on the line, give a technical foul in the clutch situation to Chris Paul to give James Harden a free throw. You simply cannot do that. You just can't. Not when you've established a precedent of letting the Rockets literally cry on your shoulder. The Rockets got a play reviewed in this game in which James Harden not only bumps in to to Dennis Schroeder, but also rips his own arm off of Dennis Schroeder's body, which he put there, by the way, and it was basically a game of patty cake in which they got reviewed, the Rockets did, by by crying about it throughout a whole timeout. Russell Westbrook was doing more coaching in that, in that timeout than Mike D'Antoni was because Mike D'Antoni was crying about his, his superstar James Harden had his hand touched by Dennis Schroeder. And this is on the heels of them not reviewing a call in which James Harden blatantly elbows Steven Adams into the rib cage so bad that it, that it topples over Adams and that Dennis Schroeder is forced to try to pull Adams back to their bench and cool him off because Steven Adams, who's even keeled as it comes, Steven Adams, who's never shows any emotion on the floor, was, was steaming mad at James Harden doing that to him. So that gives you a little bit of an indication of how bad the elbow was uh, even before you go to the review. Uh, the replay review is that a player of Steven Adams caliber in the sense of his personality is is fuming about it. This is not a guy like PJ Tucker who cries his eyes out every time he even gets breathed on. Uh, this is Steven Adams, the toughest guy in the NBA, who was ticked off by what uh, James Harden did. You didn't even look at it, but you're going to look at Dennis Schroeder and James Harden playing patty cake. Give me a break teeing up Chris Paul. But Chris Paul tonight shows you how determined he is to make the Rockets pay for this. Again, the Rockets gave up Chris Paul and P. 
picks. They unloaded Chris Paul with assets because they thought that's how unmovable he was, only to get back in return Russell Westbrook. Trade's not looking too hot right this moment. Trade wasn't looking hot this season. Trade's not going to be looking hot next season. It's a bad trade. I'll say it. It's a bad trade. And if Chris Paul comes out there and drops 30 on you in Game 7 and drags this Thunder team to their first second-round appearance since Kevin Durant left and sends Houston home in the first round, Daryl Morey should write another book report about how terrible he is at running an organization. Your number three story tonight is that the pressure is on Houston. I've said it all along. This series means more for Houston than it does for Oklahoma City. Nobody's going to look at Oklahoma City as a disaster if they lose Game 7. Nobody. In fact, if Oklahoma City loses Game 7, everybody will pat them on the back, tell them how good they did, tell them how it's unbelievable that Chris Paul has reinvented himself and it's unbelievable how Chris Paul has built himself up and made himself a a hot commodity in the trade market this offseason. That's the narrative around Oklahoma City if they lose this game. And furthermore, not only is that the narrative in Oklahoma City, that's the narrative nationally if the Thunder lose this game. If Houston loses Game 7, the narrative and the truth is that it's a disaster. It's a failure of this season. It's a failure of this team build. It's a failure on all fronts if they cannot get out of the first round of the NBA postseason after being up 2-0, after being up 3-2. If they can't put the Thunder away in Game 7... That's a rough look. And furthermore, if you can't put them away, it, it can be a failure all you want it to be, which it would be a failure. What can you do? You can't trade Russell Westbrook coming off of a quad injury that could lose him some, some explosiveness. After every year, we've seen his explosiveness decline a little bit. He obviously has not fallen off a cliff from the explosive standpoint, but it's fallen off a little bit over time. That's just what father time does to you. Uh, he's coming off of an injury. He's coming off of yet another postseason in which he wouldn't play well. If he doesn't play well in, in Game 7, that would obviously mean that the, that the Rockets lose. It's the only way the Rockets are going to lose is if he loses you the game again the way he did in this game. So you cannot trade Russell Westbrook in that contract. You just can't. And if you get anything back for him, you're not, you're not going to get anything back for him that can, that can change this team dramatically. You're locked into the rest of Westbrook and James Harden, and maybe it gets better in year two. Maybe you can run it back and, and improve. That's a possibility. But who are you going to put around these guys? Who are you going to go get with no, with no money and no real trade assets? Oklahoma City has your picks. You know, your future picks. Who, who are you going to get? Who can you upgrade from with that contract of Eric Gordon? Who can you upgrade from? You're going to have the same team next year that got bounced in the first round by, by Oklahoma City if you lose Game 7. The pressure is on Houston. We're already seeing that their role players feel it. I mean, how many open threes did the, did the Rockets miss? If you close out on those threes, which you should be, I'm not sure how in Game 6 the, the Thunder are still sending three or four or five guys into the lane and allowing Houston to shoot threes. That's perplexing to me. But even though they did that this game, Eric Gordon goes one for six from three. Even though they did that, that this game, Daniel House cools off and goes two for six. Jeff Green cools off and goes one for five. Austin Rivers only plays 11 minutes in this game, goes 0 for one from three. P.J. Tucker goes three for seven. They're starting to cool off a bit. Gone are the days of Ben McLemore coming into this game and being explosive from three-point land. He gave you zero points in this contest. Only played three minutes. A lot of that's due to Russell Westbrook, Russell Westbrook being back, but still. 
the role players are starting to tighten up a little bit. The pressure's on Houston. And when the pressure is on Russell Westbrook in the postseason, he tends to melt down. When Game 7 rolls around for James Harden, tends to melt down. That's not to say that Oklahoma City will for sure win on, on Wednesday in Game 7, but the pressure's on Houston, not Oklahoma City. Oklahoma City gets a pound in the back and a good job no matter what happens in, the, in this Game 7. Heads will roll in Houston if they cannot get out of the first round. Again, how much can they roll when you're locked into this roster, which obviously is having a hard time putting away Oklahoma City in the first round, but still, heads will roll. We take you now to the MVP of the game. Right now. You're the real MVP. The MVP of this game is Russell Westbrook. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Although it's true, I've piled on Russell Westbrook enough, and in this market, that's that's not, that's not the way you want to go. I understand that he's a fantastic player, the best player in this franchise's history, the triple doubles, the jury's retirement, the statue. I get it. MVP of this game is not Russell Westbrook, though he did lose this game for Houston. It is Chris Paul. We've already talked about him, so I'm not going to elaborate anymore at the 40-minute mark, but Chris Paul was phenomenal in this contest, and he has to have you feeling good heading in to Game 7. The bet of the day outcome was Oklahoma City plus 5.5. That hits, obviously, because they won. Plus 5.5. Don't know why I even thought about that. Moneyball outcome. I bet on Chris Paul. He had three, but Gallinari, who started out 0 for 4, breaks out of his slump and hits four three-pointers on nine attempts. He goes 52% from the field and 44% from beyond the arc on his way to a 25-point night with five rebounds and two steals. Gallo turned out to be awesome after another slow start from him, and hopefully this has him clicking going into Game 7. So we'll preview this show, excuse me, we'll preview this Game 7 in full on the next show. Heading into that show and heading into that game, you've got Gallo with 25 points. You've got Chris Paul with a nice 28 points. You've got a lot to build from from this Game 6 victory, and look, the series, no matter how you got here, even though you went down 0-2, even though you went down 3-2, no matter how you got here, the series is now 0-0. The winner takes all in Game 7. You have the day off on Tuesday to regroup. Winner takes all in Game 7. You got here in a weird way, but you got here. And I predicted before the series started, Thunder in 7, and that is a 50-50 shot at actually happening. So hopefully they can come through with Thunder in 7. I want to hear from you. I want to hear your takes, your questions, your concerns, your predictions for Game 7 to get played on Wednesday's Game 7 preview. Call into the show right now, 405-362-7128. Leave a voicemail, and it will be played on the next show. Once again, those of you who have already left voicemails with some great messages for me, thank you very much for the kind words, but you're all, all your questions were about the offseason. We'll save that for after the postseason is over for Oklahoma City. So once again, your number to call, 405-362-7128. Follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Is that R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. Be good and be good to one another. We'll see you tomorrow on Locked on Thunder, your only daily podcast about the Oklahoma City Thunder. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.